Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Luganville. Thank you very much for joining me. Welcome back to uh, a weekend recap and rant. Got something a little different for you uh, this week. So I just got back from Florida. That's right. I got sick and tired of all this bullshit upper Midwest spring, in air quotes, winter holding on, and it blows. Literally, the wind will not stop. Those who have been following along, uh, my spring snow goose season was relentlessly windy. That seemed to continue when I got back to Minnesota, and I mean, I know I'm not alone. We're all experiencing this together, but it's 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 kind of bullshit. Not kind of. It's straight up bullshit at this point. So anyways, I needed to go. I needed to get out and go somewhere warm. Um, but honestly, it had been planned before that because uh, I'd reached out to um, David Pekacek, old paycheck there, um, who's been on the podcast a couple times. Um, probably have him on again shortly. Um, so we had, I'd been meaning to get down there because he had moved from Minnesota to become a bass fishing guide down in Florida. And that's what he's doing. And he got to the point where he quit his job and he's just guiding full time. So congratulations to him. So if I'm like, dude, I got to get down there and see you. So, um, I made a point. I'm like, Hey, I'm going, I'm going to go down there. If we don't put just put a date on the calendar it's never gonna happen so I did and I was planning it or whatever 
and I mentioned it to uh, Joel, and Joel's like, uh, I'm going, right? I'm like, uh, uh, sure. I don't know your schedule or <laughs> finances or anything like that. So I'm like, I don't see why not. So uh, we looked into it. He got his days off, and uh, yeah, so we went down there. It was uh, It was pretty fun. And so we're trying to figure out what the best day was. I was talking to Paycheck, and uh, it's like, well, let's just wait till it gets closer because if it gets really windy down there, you know, it can blow out the lakes and blah, and we can pick a different lake or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the lake that he wanted to go to was this Headwaters Lake down there, which is a lake they, the state of Florida literally built, like dug out, designed to for fishing and it was been closed down for forever until i think like just last year i think it's only been open for a couple years and they're just trying to build this like trophy fishery so um like sounds good to me bro and uh so that was the tentative plan um but i was like but we are open to suggestions and you know the idea had been tossed around like maybe going a little further south to uh, lake ida where you can catch like the knife fish and the peacocks and all sorts of different exotics. I mean, that kind of appeals to me too. Um, but also I kind of want to do, you know, for the most part, showcase what uh, Paychex got going on down there, um, Paychex Guide Service. So that's I'll, leaving it up to him. Whatever he wanted to do, I'll follow his lead. He knows the waters and areas down there, not me. So uh, let's just go and do it. And uh, so, yeah, we head down there. So in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, you know, most of the um, bass fishing down there, the guided bass fishing, especially for the giants, is usually done with live bait. I know back here in Minnesota, that seems a little bit weird. Um, but down there, I mean, I, and I've known about this for well, decades. I think the first time I saw it was like early 90s, like Roland Martin or something was doing it. And they'd, they'd basically tie a balloon to a big shiner and floated along these big weed patches and yeah they would just catch these giants that was on okeechobee so that's pretty much the thing they spend crazy amounts of money on these shiners and then i didn't learn this until i get down there but there's a whole thing between like raised shiners and wild shiners and apparently the wild shiners are where it's at very similar up here to you, you gotta have spot tail shiners and you know that there's it's very similar to that um Big debate, at, and we had heard it right there in the launch, in the launch, the landing area. Like everybody talks about it, it's 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 kind of it's kind of crazy and not crazy because it's very similar. It was very it was different, but yet familiar at the same time. Um, but we did end up going to Headwaters because it didn't matter what day we got there. We got in Thursday night, and Friday morning it was windy as shit, and it was windy as shit the entire time I was there. Because apparently wherever I go, the wind goes. <laughs> so you got to be shitting me. <sighs> so it's like, well, whatever. We're here. We're going to go fishing, right? So we, we head out and we do go to Headwaters Lake. And uh, we did not use shiners. Didn't even He didn't even bring shiners to my surprise. I thought that was kind of the plan. And I'm like, whatever. I'm down, you know, I, I'm down for whatever. I've, you know, I'm not, I don't have to catch every fish possible. Um. I'm down there to visit a friend, have a new experience. Whatever happens, happens. And this lake is, uh, it's big for one. 
and it's just it's very interesting as a as a man-made structure um a lot of it is like and it's not quite choked out yet but for the most part it's getting there because all the um the weeds the hydrilla just grows in these super thick mats so you have to kind of fish fish these ditches or these channels that they kind of have um dug out in this lake and it's just bizarre because you just fish in a straight line like if you if you google it you go to google earth right now and you pull up headwaters lake florida and you look at it you'll just see these straight lines grid pattern that's pretty much where you got to fish i mean you could frog over all the other stuff i suppose but as windy as it was it just wasn't really wasn't the case and uh, it didn't really take us long before we stumbled upon um a pretty good pattern you know water depth uh, type of weed kind of thing and the bait we're using was a chatterbait uh, jackhammer um, chartreuse I believe we had different color blades in fact mine was black of course by the end of the day it was uh, silver and black so I was cracking all the the pain off of it just from all the damn fish I was catching um, not really actually we did catch a few but uh, we we did go out and it was it was badass to uh it was pretty slow to start until we kind of figured it out. But then we got, you know, pretty consistent in uh, about halfway through the day. Once we really kind of put the pattern together, it was pretty consistent um, in catching some fish. But just super cool to see a different um, topography, different style of fishing. Um, the gators, dude, there's so many gators. Giant ones, too. We saw two that were just massive and i'm pretty sure they're sitting on nests right now so that was pretty awesome um all sorts of cool stuff you got your model ducks tons of ducks down there we even we still saw some blue winged teal that hadn't migrated out and i don't maybe they maybe some stay i i don't know i'll have to ask uh i'll ask that nick ask nick about that nick j more waterfall wednesday see see what he knows about that but there's probably just some um late migrants because we didn't see a lot i think it was like one small flock of like five or something like that um but all sorts of different water birds uh ibises and spoonbills and um not the spoonies like like we're thinking duck hunting spoonies but like the spoon build shape pink flamingo looking things those and then they had these uh couple different kinds of um I never remember how to say it. Um, uh, they're like coots. Gilly, gilly, oh my god! I gotta look it up. It's driving me crazy. Um, gilly, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> because it's in our regulations too. You see it. Um, but yeah, they had like um, camera at the one's name was. The other one was a blue guy, guy gloon. Gilloon, Gil, Gilloon, oh man, terrible. Anyways, the G-Bird. Uh, cool, that one was super cool looking. Like, they're almost purple, like, iridescent, like, super cool. Big, like, red knob on their, on their, uh, on their bill. Um, very, very cool. Later in the day, we actually saw some, uh, baby ones, which, that was neat. I mean, I don't know why it seems, it, it just, it seemed weird seeing the, the little baby walking around, like, on the shore. I think just in, like, what I'm used to seeing, you know, they don't look like ducks, you know, little baby ducks following mommy around and they didn't have a big clutch. And I don't know if that's just what they do. Like they only have one or two babies cause there was just a couple of them. Um, but these little black fluff balls just run along the shoreline right behind mom and dad. It was pretty, 
was uh, was pretty hilarious. And they just reminded me of little black like chicken chicks. Oh, they were super cute. Anyways, so that was that was pretty cool, and we uh, just had tons of tons of laughs. Um, I can promise you this, you guys. If you ever want to go down, you know, get away from Minnesota cold and weather and try the Florida bass fishing, definitely um, get a hold of Paycheck because he's just a riot. He's just a fun guy to be around. Um, it's just pretty awesome. We almost accidentally snagged a gator once. That would have been not good. Um, <laughs> one of the funny things is because we weren't using shiners, <laughs> but we were catching fish. We come up. This is kind of towards the end of the day. We're coming up. We're working our way up, um, fishing some spots kind of closer to the landing. And there's a, a guide boat that's kind of the spot we wanted to fish. We're like, ah, well, we'll go down and we'll kind of fish this next chute because there's like this main channel and all these different chutes that give you access to the kind of like the main lake area. It's almost kind of like split into two halves. It's it's very different. You have to look at it on like Google Earth, like I said. You'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. And so we fish down from there, and uh, we, we definitely catch some fish. Um, Joel starts messing around with the um, – drop shot which like apparently paycheck never uses down there and he did catch some on that nothing they're like dinkers though um but still caught him on there so that that was pretty cool and uh i'm still throwing my chatterbait around I'm, I'm catching some fish here and there and so that boat moves off and we think they like left the area so we go up to fish the spot that we wanted to fish even though they're right there but we're like we didn't see him catch anything so we go up there, and as we're kind of working our way there, I'm casting, all of a sudden I hook a fish, boom, I catch it. And as I'm, like, fighting this thing up, we, we go up a little bit further and look to our right, and that guide boat's, like, just right there. They're just, they just moved to the other side of the chute. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. Kind of felt like a dick because we – but technically you weren't stealing their spot because they were just there, and they weren't there anymore. But we – not seeing them catch anything with live bait because they were using bobbers and shiners. And then we pull up, and it was literally my first cast in that spot. And I catch one, and then not very long after that, I catch another one. So that had to be an interesting conversation in that guide's boat. <laughs> sorry about that, dude. I mean, I'm not sorry because I'm there to catch fish too, but um, it was that was very comical. Oh, I can't believe I forgot this. So we, we get to the landing right away in the morning, Joel and I, and we're waiting for David to get there. And I specifically brought one of my tight line rods down for ice fishing because I wanted, I just thought it'd be funny. I don't know if I was ever going to use it, but I thought, I don't know if we get to a spot where I can vertically jig straight down from the boat or over a bridge or a dock or, or something and catch anything, you know, cause they have all, you know, exotic cichlids are running around all these waterways and they got bluegills and they have, you know, whatever else. I just thought it'd be pretty funny to, you know, have a video of me tight lining in, in Florida, <laughs> an ice fishing technique down there. And so we're waiting around, and there's all sorts of little fish breaking, like in this this channel that leads to the leads to the lake. I couldn't really tell what they were, but there wasn't. You couldn't really get close enough to the water anywhere we were looking. And there was giant alligators, and there's I don't know how close I wanted to get to the water. But anyways, we looked around. There was this like little over this like um, I don't even know what it, it officially is. It looks like it's kind of water uh, flow gate kind of a thing but it had a platform on it you could actually walk out on and that was over the water and there was just 
um, tons of hyacinth and stuff below. So you couldn't, it was, I tried kind of casting and, you know, hand throwing the line out there. That didn't work because whatever was breaking, like tons of fish were breaking out there in this little canal eating something. And there's minnows everywhere, little guppy-like minnows. And then I'm like, well, I'm just going to fish below the, like, in between little gaps in the hyacinth straight down, which is what I did. And I didn't think I was going to actually get anything. And then all of a sudden, I actually had a bite. I was like, what? No way. I was like, dude, I just had a bite. He's like, whoa, wait, no, really? I'm like, yeah, dude, I did. And so I kept going. Now it's in my head. And I was like, dude, I'm catching a fish. I don't know what these are, but I'm getting one of these sons of bitches. And I just had a probably too big. Um, I just didn't know what I was up against. Because I thought I might use it in salt water too, like just in the riprap and the rocks or something and maybe catch a little grunt or a little snapper, something like that. So I I purposely really only brought down with me like a handful of like five mils. So they're pretty heavy. And I had one plastic. That That's it. That's all I brought down there. Um, Again, it, poor planning. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'll pick up some frozen shrimp and I'll just tip it with shrimp. and bottle. I didn't do that. I just had that one plastic that was already on that one jig that I had on that schoolie reel already. So that's just how it was set up, and I used it. And I'm dipping up, but I was I was getting bit, so I was like, holy shit, I might actually pull this off. And I keep trying. I had another couple strikes and misses. I'm like, these must be little tiny things, or they're just, I don't know. And then suddenly, boop, I actually hook one, and it was a bluegill, a little tiny bluegill, maybe a little, like, I don't know, five-inch or four or five-inch or something like that. But size didn't matter to me, dude. <laughs> I went down to Florida and caught a fish on a schoolie rod. That was awesome. And then uh, so I'm like, okay, Joel, it's your turn. He tried and tried and tried and couldn't get a bite. And then I tried again, and I couldn't I couldn't repeat it. I'm like, God damn, if I'd had some worms or something, I bet we could have pulled this off. Or a smaller, um, you know, like a three mil, even a four mil, I think, would have probably increased our chances. Um, that would have been so amazing. Uh, that would have been fun. So then, uh, yeah. So anyways, we, we finished the day up there. It was awesome. Um, I did try. So where Joel was catching those bass on the drop shot, I did try to vertically jig with, uh, with that schoolie right over the boat, right along this thick, thick, cause the whole, where you get these channels for that, um, where those weeds are growing, it's just like it's a wall of weeds. So I was just fishing right there. I'm like, there's gotta be some bluegills around here, or something, some kind of bait fish. I mean, I wouldn't even be mad about a caught a shiner. You could see tilapia swimming around in certain spots too. So I'm like, that would have been some of those can get pretty big. That would have been a fight. But looking at the little tiny bass that Joel's catching on the the drop shot, I'm like, well, it is not outside the realm to catch a little bass on this jig. So I was kind of hoping for that too. But alas, it did not happen. But it was a it was a great full day. I went back and then uh you know invited Paycheck out for dinner, went to the seafood place, um kind of a little like hole in the wall. Um just, it's almost like a takeout thing. They only had a few tables and they were just closing, so they and we actually asked them before we ordered because we didn't want to be those guys. And they're like, Yeah, we'll serve you. So we ate outside. It was pretty good, pretty good food actually. Um, you gotta, you can't overlook them hole in the wall spots <laughs> that, that look like they're in health code violations, which they weren't keep in mind, just like from the outside, it kind of looks like that. They're very clean inside. I don't, I, w- I would give them a shout out, but I do not even remember the name, the name of the place, but it was very good. 
the rest of the time we were there, the goal was to like, you know, get up in the morning and fish from the surf because I'd done that in Florida before, just a uh, crocodile spoons, some plugs, whip it way out there. Um, and, and fish a surf. You, surf, you can catch, I mean, anything from, uh, a bluefish, to little jacks, redfish, snook, Spanish mackerel. I mean, it pretty much I've caught them all down there before. So that was the plan. And of course, well, a couple problems. One, I could not for the life of me, cause I did, had a little move recently and I, I had a, of course, I don't even remember the last time I've seen this rod set up, but I had a, a steelhead salmon rod that I had purchased, and it's a, I think it's like a four-piece, because it's a 10-footer. It's awesome. That's what I used in Florida before, and it, for surf fishing, it's great, dude. You can just, I mean, you put a three-quarter ounce crocodile spoon, and you can launch that thing a mile. It's beautiful to get out to that, like, second trough zone. And uh, we're, and the action was perfect, heavy enough for the, you know, heavier spoons. It was great. I could not find that freaking rod for the life of me. Thought I had found it, but it was actually a different travel rod, another four-piece one, but it was that one was only like seven feet, seven and a half feet, and it was a lot lighter weight. It was like a, a medium light or something. And then I had my like um, really light travel rod case. I brought that down too. So we were vastly outgunned um, for saltwater to begin with, but on top of that... Um, the waves were just like these were legit surfing waves which i personally had not really seen in florida we were on the atlantic side and it had been just strong east winds the whole time we're there and so the real problem with that it wasn't so much the waves was all the trash that the waves were bringing in just tons of seaweed tons of seaweed so you'd make a cast like you couldn't you never got a cast back in without something followed on your hook. And I saw all sorts of surf fishermen were coming down there and they would do the same thing. They'd launch their baits out there in their big heavy triangle weights and next thing you know there's trash in their line and trash in the hook and they reel it in and like they did the same thing. Like four or five casts and like mm, this ain't gonna work. They're done. So it was just impossible to fish there. I mean we should have just knowing that in hindsight should have just stayed to the river because it's right next to the Indian River there, which is huge. I mean to call it a river is it's it's not really like a river. It's a big giant bay, basically, and then like just this barrier strip there that separates that from uh, the actual Atlantic Ocean. But there's all sorts of fish in there too. You know, speckled sea trout, reds, jacks, the same same list of characters in that. So we should have just concentrated on that. But tried the tried the surf and it just didn't uh, didn't pan out. But um, so the last night we were there, we did try the river, and I had a couple strikes. I missed, I missed him. Joel got like cut off a few times. He had the hot hand. I should have switched rods with him because mine was heavier and had heavier line on it, and he was using that light one, which went I use for trout. So I'm sure it has like four pound test on it. Um, but the fact that it was cutting him off like northern had to be like a something with teeth, bluefish or maybe Spanish mackerel or something like that. Could have been a small cuda too, for that matter. Um, but yeah, he, he had lost a couple, couple jigs, so it's, it's whatever, but, uh, that was fun. Uh, so I did not catch a single saltwater fish species while I was there. Oh, the day before we did that, we rented some kayaks and went up this river and we brought our fish and shit. Of course, um, lots of good gators sighted there. That was pretty dope. We did see a couple of manatees 
also very cool. And we cut across this little tiny channel, and there was mangroves there and all sorts of little fish there. And yes, I brought the schoolie for that, but I couldn't. Like, they would come up and kind of look at it, but not real close. They'd stay like a foot or better away from it, but they were definitely looking at it. I think if I would have had a piece of, of live bait, some crab or something, I think I could have caught them. There's mine cichlids in there, little tiny baby snook. It wouldn't have mattered to me. And then little um, mangrove snappers were in there. It, I would have been happy to catch any one of them on that schoolie just right over the kayak. But that was the other thing. Like, they were a little nervous of the kayak. It was, it would have been pretty amazing if I would have pulled that off, but it was, it was cool just seeing them anyways. The only fish that was caught, I bring Joel down to Florida to get him some saltwater fish. And what does he catch? A bass. A largemouth bass in the brackish water. <laughs> it's like, you gotta be shitting me. Did this just happen? But at least, hey, at least we didn't get skunk. So that that part was pretty fun. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was the night. And then the place we were staying, it's like this. Uh, we had a VRBO, and it was just a um, you know, little neighborhood community back in there. It's a fourplex. And uh, there's a pond that right next to our, our spot, but big signs all around it say no fishing, no boating, no swimming. It's like, God, what's the point of having a pond to, to just look at it? Which, the whole time we're there, nobody was sitting on little park benches even looking at it. So it's like, what are, what are you even protecting? I don't even get it. But it's just a community full of Karens. I guarantee it. Because the night Pikachu came down, we went out to eat. You know, he pulled into one of the spots. And the unit that we have has four designated spots for that unit. And so we're like, well, we'll just disconnect your boat here. And, you know, then we'll go out to eat so you're not dragging that thing around. So we did that. Of course, we get back. And somebody's like, whose boat is that? What is that? That's not supposed to be here. Blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. Um yeah, just Karenville is what it was. And so I didn't, you know, not want to get kicked out or cause any fuss. I I didn't fish it as bad as I want to. I didn't even really go down and look at it. And then right as we were leaving, like literally had, you know, we're all packed up. We're going to go back to the airport. I made the mistake of walking around the pond. <laughs> didn't see any bass or anything like that, but that pond is actually shit stacked with cichlids, mine cichlids. Um, they had the armored catfish, those placostomus, those big, you know, algae-eating fish tanks. Fish, they were in there. Um, I'm sure there was probably bluegills in there. I couldn't really tell different kinds of, of fish very well. But the mines, you could see for sure. And just, I don't even know what triggered me to do this, but there was, like, these little um, plants. that had these little tiny, like, pink flowers on them, just real low to the grass and I picked some holes up and I threw them out there and they just got they just annihilated it like instantly you know how much fun you could have had with a fly rod in that lake oh my god I guarantee you there's giant bass around there I mean just there has to be right I mean good god and we walked around the the pond it wasn't very big but you know still we walked around it and it's like <sighs> fucked up and on the far end there was this little like concrete thing that came out probably the culvert that leads to all the other channels and shit um I could have easily walked out there and actually caught fish with that schoolie right there. It's like, fuck, I fucked up. I should have, like, I should have got, if I would have walked around that pond any of those other days before, I'd have known that was there and what was in it, and I would have just snuck out there early in the morning before any of them Karens woke up, and I would have just caught one real quick, said I did it, and then, then been done. But no, I had to pack everything away and do it right at the last minute, and I'm like, ah. Car's packed. I'm not going to unload everything. Get my rod out. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, fucking A. 
that would have been that would have been awesome but did not happen <sighs> unfortunately but uh definitely going to go back um cuz that pond just got in my psyche today and I actually texted Joel today I'm like dude I got to I got to go back I feel like I have unfinished business to do and uh very similar mind thinking he's like yeah it'd just be cool to go down there and and try you know those different ponds i'm like that's exactly where my head's at dude i just want to like because when you drive around you just see ponds everywhere there's ponds by walmart's there's ponds here there's ponds there there's ponds like they're just they're everywhere and some of them have fences around them a lot of them don't and in fact there was one not far from our house that we passed a million times every time we left to go eat or go do whatever we passed it and there was people fishing there so i know you could do it Um, but i'm guessing if there isn't signs they're fair game i think it would just be so much fun to go down there and just pick a random pond and just see what's in it like that would be so cool oh god that'd be fun so that's that's on the list i don't know when that's going to happen but that is that is going to happen but i might do it further south around miami where they have more of the exotics down there i can get into the peacocks i know like ida has like the knife fish like i said um but all those channels down there have peacocks in it that would be cool too so it would just be really interesting to just pick, you know, be driving, like, let's try that one. Pull off, walk down to it, fish it, see what happens. I think that would be outstanding. And then, uh, obviously, I realized I need to buy a new surf fishing setup. I had a reel for it, but I don't have that anymore because it was in my luggage. And you are not going to believe this bonehead move. Well, you actually, you will if you listen to this podcast, because if you remember last, last fall when I went bow hunting without my bow, this is a very similar situation. Perfect example of old Dale's um, scatterbrainedness. So I had just parked my truck, so we met up, you know, to, and Joel picked me up, and then we went to the airport, flew down, I just left my truck in the, you know, Rosedale Mall parking lot, figured perfect place for it, kind of a central location, perfect. So we get back there, get there, truck's there, everything's great, take my luggage out of their vehicle, open the car door, throw my backpack in, turn the car, I'm like, fuck, is it cold down here? So I hop inside, seatbelt on, drive away. I never actually put my suitcase into my truck. It was just behind my truck. What? I didn't realize it until I got all the way down to uh, Orinoco, where I was working and I'm staying, when I obviously went to load out. And I'm like, where's my suitcase? I'm like, oh. Of course, then the light goes on. So I called Joel right away, and I'm like, dude, can you run back? You're obviously a lot closer. I'm going to head back that way. And he runs over there, and he didn't see it. And while he was doing that, I called. The mall is closed, um, but I did call. Um, there's a Portillo's right across the street. So I called them. They were open. And I asked them, like, this is going to be a really bizarre request. And I gave him the whole rundown. I said, is there any way you could send somebody across the street just just look into that parking lot and you should be able to see it. It's all by itself. Should be a big silver suitcase. And then it comes back online. It's like, no, I don't see anything. Fuck. Call the police. They have nothing's been turned in. Left a message with them. Um, woke up this morning, checked with them. Nothing has been reported. Waited till 11 o'clock for them all to open. Called security. Nothing's been turned into them. It's like, great. Perfect. There wasn't much in there. But it was a new suitcase. Those aren't cheap. That part sucked. But, I mean, there's nothing like in and by itself was that expensive. But everything in it together added up was 
you know, it's over a thousand dollars worth of stuff in there for sure. I had a pair of cowboy boots in there. I had a new pair of shoes I bought for the trip. I had new clothes I bought when I was down there. I had that reel in there, saltwater reel I'd I had purchased just for that. Um, I had my other travel rod in there. The two travel rods, a big tackle box that had over you know, hundred and some dollars worth of, of lures in it. So that sucked. And obviously, like, my toiletry bag, I had to replace all that. Like I said, not, nothing, like, crazy expensive or anything like that, but just all together added up. And the fact it's just a huge pain in the ass. Like, I had to go to Walmart today and get all new shampoo, contact stuff. All my glasses were in there, so that's sweet. So now i got to buy a new pair of eyeglasses. Super awesome. Yeah, so bonehead move for sure. And, you know, I, I'm sure someone snagged that thing like the moment we drove off, knowing the Roseville, Minnesota area and around the mall, the riffraff that hangs around there. I'm sure they were kind of disappointed they didn't get any uh, anything too juicy, but they got uh, they picked up some new fishing equipment, I guess. And so they got some new cowboy boots. They can do some new boot goofing. So that's, um, yeah, that sucks. But anyways, that is what it is. What 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 the hell are you going to do? piss them on about it. that's what i did and it's been pretty much eating at me all day but <sighs> i can all be replaced it's just a pain in the ass and i have nobody to blame but myself i can yell at thieves all i want but if i just wasn't such a scatterbrained moron we wouldn't be having this conversation and you wouldn't be thoroughly enjoy- uh, entertained at the moment <laughs> oh my god what an idiot so that was the trip uh it was a lot of fun uh back to reality of course to get back here and it's windy and 30 degrees or whatever it was like fucking a at least it's not windy today still cool but not windy for once i don't even know how to deal with it like walk out of the house and i almost fall over because i'm just like muscle memory to lean into the wind and it's not there (sighs) it just sucks so yeah anytime real spring wants to get here summertime i'm all for it uh the foraging part of my brain is starting to really kick in i'm seeing posts from like Missouri. Well, I've been seeing posts the whole time I was in like uh, South Dakota, snow goose guiding that Oklahoma was kicking off. So I've been I've been seeing morel posts. So I've been in that mindset for a long time. So hoping for the best. That's that. There's your recap for my rant. Uh, I had quite a few topics on my mind, um, but one that came across um, my feed, Facebook feed. Uh, this morning was a debate of fishing for spawning bass and their seeds. Should we have a, should, should the catch and release season be open year round, you know, fishing for bass be open year round with a catch and release season early until after the spawn. And as you can expect, there's a multitude of opinions flying around, mostly completely scientifically non-based so i went on a little quest to do some digging and there's not a ton of uh, there's not not a ton of stuff um out there honestly like actual scientific papers because what i was looking for was like the overall impact of like smallmouth bass populations due to spawning pressure fishing during the spawn and uh, I did find a couple articles, and one that definitely uh, pointed to a a marked negative impact on recruitment. 
And so they had, there's three lakes up like in southeastern Ontario where these researchers were at, and they they snorkeled around the lake, and they did, basically they did counts, you know, nesting counts. They just watched them, and then they, you know, kind of did fry counts while the males were guarding the fries, and uh, they saw, you know, they had a lake that they're privately controlled so they can, you know, control who fishes it and when, and they tried different scenarios, and they kind of broke it down. In the years they did have people um, fishing it, and these were like pro anglers that knew what they were doing. Um, they did see a pretty big, like up to a 50% uh, reduction in fry sur- surviving. So recruitment definitely takes a huge hit. So there's definitely some validity to that. Where my brain goes to is I understand that, but humans aren't the only thing that obviously preys on these these fish i mean that's that's the big gripe is that when you take a fish and you keep it out of the water for a period of time you let um predators get in there and eat the eggs or eat the fry themselves and out where they're at they have these gobies and they're very efficient at that swooping in and eating the eggs and even the even the fry and here in minnesota you get bluegills you get crayfish you get perch all these other things that are marauding the nest so um you know, a little common sense, I feel like, goes a long way. You know, if you're going to bed fish for smallies and even largemouth, it's like return to the water right away. You know, you catch a giant one, I know you're going to want to get a picture. So if you're going to do that, make sure you have the camera ready to go or your phone ready to go. Take it as fast as you can and slide that fish back in the water. Do as, as Have as little impact on it as possible. For me, honestly, I haven't had that much. The few times I've done bed fishing, I don't. I don't have the technique down uh, clearly because I don't really have that great of success when I do it to the point I usually like, well, screw this. Let's go find, you know, some pre-spawn fish or post-spawn fish or something that's, you know, feeding again and I mess with these bed fish. But you can definitely see that it would have an impact. But just looking at um, the recruitment or the fry i don't feel like gives a full clear picture like without a netting survey and i know bass don't respond well or or don't represent well in, in netting surveys but i guess what i'm thinking is i know that you know, just anecdotal. I have anecdotal evidence. You know, we all know Malax is a great smallmouth fishery and we know that it gets piss pounded. Um, for spawning bass so it's still a good fishery so I, I guess i'm like where's the real harm i mean maybe it could be even better i guess could be the argument but that leads me into my next point is that the way minnesota fishing season currently sets up if the reason our season is closed is to protect spawning fish well we're doing a piss poor job of it because the way our state sets up, north to south, we we cover we cover like three different like weather zones basically. To be to put it in a perfect example is right here right now. I'm in the southern part of the state and there's no snow. Grass is starting to turn green. The water's all open. But you go to northern Minnesota and they have snow and ice everywhere still. Um, so. You, it just like a calendar date's not really going to work unless you're not going to open because there's some northern lakes that I have fished on well into June where those bass are still spawning. Are you going to have the seasons not going to open till July 1st? 
I mean, you're going to have a three-month bass season? I mean, what that doesn't even make sense. Um, so that they now they backed it up to because it didn't used to open till like um, Memorial Day weekend, but then they did allow catch and release for bass from our regular opener. Now I know all this sounds really weird to people from southern states. They're like, "What's an opener? I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, up here we like Wisconsin, Minnesota, some other states. We have like our season actually closes for certain fish and then opens up again. So walleye and pike open up like the, the second weekend of May usually, and then um, bass later, and then muskie later. Uh, but now you can do catch and release on the main opener, which is like a holiday here in Minnesota. So that is usually there's years where um, ice just goes out like the day before opening day of fishing. So it, clearly you're going to be running that fishing season all the way straight through the bass pond 100%. Um, but you're not really protecting the spawning fish then. And you're definitely not protecting, well, panfish is continuous anyways. So perch and crappies you can fish for year round and you can keep year round even. And I would, I would argue that bluegills and bass have very similar recruitment rates. So I just don't know, like I understand that study the article is very well done. I, I don't really dispute their findings whatsoever. But I think we also know that the vast majority of fish that spawn out the fry don't make it till the next year anyways, just due to predation from other fish, from birds, from mink, you know, from everything, um, turtles and you name it and people. And it can be said that, you know, taking a fish out of the water, you know, before spawn, you know, that fish isn't going to spawn. Well, guess what? It successfully can spawn, and then you harvest that fish. Guess what that fish isn't doing next year? Spawning. So it doesn't really matter if you take that fish out of that water shed, um, the water system, a week before they spawn, during the spawn, or after the spawn. That fish is never spawning again. So, I mean, there's no two ways around it. And again, if you go back to overall health of the lake, how are the fish doing, you know? Maybe they need to do it kind of like they're doing with some experimental panfish regulations in the state. Maybe we just designate a couple um, special lakes where you have a a really late bass opener, I guess, because it's just so weather temperature dependent and weather dependent. Not only just in what part of the state, but every year is different. I mean, we were fishing... Uh, open water in mid-April last year. Well, you're still ice fishing this year. I mean, I mean, it, that's in the same parts of the state. So it's just having a calendar, a set calendar date for, the, okay, now it's safe to go fish for bass. is like, it's not really going to work unless you're going to have it way late. And I can tell you right now, ain't no angler's going to get behind that. Now, in this article, it did have... Uh, a decent idea where you could set, and this would only work on very popular waters. Like you obviously wouldn't be able to do this on every single lake, but lakes like Malax would be a prime example for this, where you would have, um, basically you would have fish sanctuaries where you couldn't, you can't fish in that zone. They do it in saltwater all the time. And um, so you just have to just basically do that. So, 
that wouldn't be the worst where there's like no angling, not even catch and release, but no angling in that fish sanctuary. So, and I think you could definitely with Malax, you could take probably, you know, if you chop that lake into four quadrants, just set one sanctuary in each one of those quadrants. And so you could still target some spawning fish and, you know, that weren't in the sanctuary. So if you really wanted to do that, you could, and you have the rest of the lake, the, the bass fish and the walleye fish and all the other stuff, but just in that sanctuary would protect those spawning sites. Now I don't think that's a terrible idea, but of course the other argument you give is, well, and then they got, how are DNR going to enforce that? Well, you worry about that later. Like rules should not be made or not made based on how our law enforcement officials, the, the ease of how they police it their enforcement is not like that's their job in your job when you get an extra task on your desk there is no conversation about it hey we got to do this well i guess we got to do this it's just you got to figure it out and if you want to say anything then lobby to the state for more money from to get more co's in the field like just not doing it because now the co's are going to have more work to do it's like well yeah they are, but it's not really more work. It's just another thing they have to look out for. And I would argue the same people that are already not abiding by the, the rules anyways that are fishing out of season or they probably have 12 limits of bluegills in their freezer, they're going to do it anyways. So that's not really – that argument just – it's a kind of a straw man argument. It doesn't really – just doesn't pan out. It doesn't hold up to any scrutiny whatsoever. So I'd be down for that conversation. Um so anyways, if you guys, what do you guys think about that? Like setting up spawning sanctuaries, like here in a perfect world, here's what I would do. I would open bass fishing to be catch and release all year round. Um, I mean, honestly, honestly, I'd like to do away with seasons altogether for pretty much everything. Um, but I know that'll never happen in Minnesota because like I said, the fishing opener is like, it's a holiday. It's a big money maker for a lot of resorts. I just, it's, I know it's never going anywhere, but so let's just stick with bass. I would be for a continuous bass season. And then, you know, it's catch and release except for between here and here, you know, kind of the, the main season structure that it was before. And not that many people keep bass anyways. Some people do, but the vast majority of people that are going out and targeting them aren't keeping them anyways. Um, so you could even set that keep date to way late in June if you want to. Or like they've done with um, pike in this state, you have zones. So just open it. Here, in the southern zone, it opens here. And the central zone opens here. And the north zone, it opens here. But then it's, you can still catch and release during that whole time. And then on really popular bodies of water, you could have those fish sanctuaries. I think that's a pretty good compromise. But that's that's my opinion. So let me know what you guys think. Uh, you can reach out to me on the social medias, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat. Like so, my Florida Ventures. I pretty much like that's pretty much what I do now. I need to be. It's actually made me a worse like Instagrammer because I don't put stuff as much on Instagram as I should be doing um, because it's just so easy to kind of like set it and forget it on Snapchat. So if you're not following me on Snapchat, find me on Snapchat. It's just Dale Luganbill, and then. Uh, with all the Twitter buzz, I never use Twitter, but and I couldn't even log into my old account. I didn't remember. 
I must have had a different email. Different, anyways, I just created a brand new account with all the Elon Musk stuff going on. I was like, you know what? I need to be a part of this just to see what's going on. So I went and I joined Twitter today. So you can find me there as fullscale underscore Dale at Twitter. So go follow that account. Um, that'd be a good place to have some of these debates because that's what Twitter is for, right? Fighting with everybody online. I mean, that's what I feel like that's what everybody uses it for. So, <laughs> so we can do that. But I am curious as to uh, you guys' uh, uh, takes and opinions on this. Maybe I should get some sort of poll or uh, start another conversation on on the Facebooks. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I'd like to hear back from you. I do have a couple uh, subjects I need to get to that have been that people have sent me. So thank you for that. If there are any subjects you'd like me to cover on my rants, uh, hit me up. Let me know. I will give you my opinion on them as I just did. Uh, stay tuned. We got, uh, well, I don't even, uh, who do we have coming up? Well, I got to get Paycheck back on for sure. Because we were supposed to do a podcast down there. Of course, when you fish all day and then you go out to eat, all parties involved are dog tired so that we didn't end up doing that. So I think we're just going to do a call in one with him. And uh, I got some other feelers out. So we'll see. See what I get for guests uh, coming up. If you got somebody you'd like me to get on or reach out to, hit me up with that as well. So, all right. With that, you know I'm going to leave you. Whatever your passion, pursue it. Full scale.